Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And boy, howdy, it's been a minute. Uh, yes. Sorry about that, y'all. For good reason. Um, September was a hell month, although I feel like it might have been a little bit longer than that, was it? It was. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, sitting here without having like our like podcast management website open, I cannot remember offhand. I think it was sometime in August that we last uploaded. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. But um, uh, September but was... Again, for good reason. Uh, Chris, what have you been up to in the last month? Oh, you know, I've uh, I've been taking some stage combat classes, mm-hmm. which have been uh, really fun uh, getting to get back into doing that kind of physical acting, which I really like. And yeah, uh, oh, I also I, I got married. So that was what? one of the big things that was taking up a lot of my time. But yeah, so that happened uh, and that ate up uh, just in addition to the world just still kind of sucking. That was eating up a lot of my my time and attention for obvious reasons. But uh, we're back. We're going to get back onto our, our bi-weekly grind again. And to get us back in, uh, Dylan suggested the idea of a topic. Well, I'll let you tell the people, Dylan. Yes. So um, similar to uh, other episode ideas we've had, I think we've done something like this before. Uh, we talked about video game openings. Mm-hmm. This is a different kind of video game opening. I, I, I'm specifically thinking of video game I think they're called demos, but like that's a little confusing. Not for the people one you're because, thinking of. Yeah, yeah, not not like playable demos uh, that you would download from like the PlayStation Store or whatever. Um, I'm talking about uh, demos as in demonstrations, as in back in the arcade days when you know you're in a building that is full of machines with the sole purpose of having you put their your quarters yeah in draining them and them. draining you for all your worth in quarters um there's got to be some way they can get your attention even when no one's playing them so they'll have like a little video uh turned on that just showcases what the game looks like as it is being played and just like what the kind of experience you can expect to have from this arc uh, this arcade experience usually it'll be like the one that I'm that I'm remembering that like I haven't looked up, so I might have my memory off, but this is seared into my brain is of the uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game, and it would show you like thirty seconds of one of the like beat 'em up portions in one level, and then it would cycle to like the high score list, and then it would show you thirty seconds of another beat 'em up portion, and then it would cycle to uh, like a credit page, and it would just it was just there to. You know, have movement on the screen and draw your eye and maybe, you know, little Timmy would be like, I like Raphael. Mommy, can I have $80 in quarters? Oh, uh, boy, I can't wait to play as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I honestly like thinking back on it. It's one of the more kind of like fun things about arcades is like even mm-hmm. if a game's not on, you're able to get a, a, a glimpse of what it might be before you 
throw your tokens down the slot. I don't think I've played the Simpsons arcade game more than like twice in my entire life. Mm -hmm. But you better believe that like just watching the characters run around was like the most transfixing thing. Oh, yeah. Ever. <laughs> like the animation in that game is really good. And, you know, of course, you're going to want to show that off. So if I was a bigger Simpsons fan, I would have been like, oh, man, I have to play as Bart. Look, he's skateboarding around like a cool dude. He, he's he's telling people to sniff his butt or whatever it is his catchphrase is. Eat my shorts. But, Bart uh... has six cool sayings. <laughs> um, <laughs> thinking about it, like a after you brought this this topic up, I was thinking uh -huh. like, oh yeah, you know, it started in the arcades, and then the next step would have like in my brain it, it went, oh yeah, the next step must have been like those playable demos, like to catch your attention so you would stop and play the playable demo at like you know. The game, the GameCube in the bl the glass box at the oh, GameStop yeah. or the Dude, Target. Dude, I love those things. The little uh, demo kiosks. I fucking miss those. They're uh, so good. <laughs> but like, I don't know if that's true because, and like here here is a product of like we are you know we are at the youngest end of the millennial age group. I don't yeah. actually know if they had demo kiosks like that for say, the N64 or earlier systems, the NES. I want to say they did. It wouldn't I, surprise like, me I, if they did. I just, I genuinely do not know. I, I don't know if they had them for, like, Super Nintendo or anything, but, like, I feel very confident in saying that, like, they did for the N64. Yeah, no, they did, because I have, like, a vivid memory of um playing a teeny tiny bit of Mario Party 3 at the Toys R Us. That sounds like a thing that would have been possible in the year 2001. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And then no, I also, uh, I played Sonic Adventure 2 on uh, Dreamcast at a, at a to that same Toys R Us, and it ruined me for life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is the origin story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when are we, uh, we going to do an episode on the Sonic IDW comics? Yo, I, if you, I do not, I don't go here. <laughs> but I'm ready for it. All right. Chris, there's going to be some required reading. No. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll hash that out. If, Audience, if there's going to be some required reading. God. Gross. But yeah, so why, why this topic? Like, I love these things. I have so many memories of, like you were saying, you know, the, the kiosks at Kmart or, or, or GameStop and the, uh, the arcade system. But what, what about it made you want to talk about it? I, I want to I want to save that little sweet little cherry as like okay a, I got you episode. I got you um but you know to 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 kind of put that off to the side I I guess it's just the um I guess it's because it it was an experience that is like not quite but like so specific to the arcades like mm -hmm. it it originated in the arcades to like attract attention and then it was just a thing they included on console games just like yeah. as like a neat little thing to look at while yeah, you're if you, for if some you reason up, waiting at the title screen. Yeah, if you've booted up uh Super Mario Sunshine, but then you get called away to like, I don't know, do a chore because you're me and it's 2005. Mario like it'll, you know, it'll wait for you to hit start for a while and then it'll cut to just like a little pre-recorded bit of Mario running around and, and spraying water and doing flips and shit. Actually, now that I think about it, like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna whip out an example. Uh, but first, you just reminded me of something in uh, Sonic Adventure Two. If you leave it at the title screen, it it the demo it shows is um at least in the GameCube version is the two-player mode because I guess that was something they really wanted to highlight um for the GameCube release. 
that was actually how I learned, and I'm going to be talking about this with some of these later examples. That was how I learned certain tech. Like, that's how I learned oh, that really? you can grind up rails, you know? Because, like, if, if you homing attack a, a rail that's at a vertical incline and you, you need to go up, um, if you homing attack it, your momentum will carry you up the ramp. Oh and I God. didn't know that until I saw th that happen in the demo. I just, I need to, I need to take a moment and bask it. Cause like we've brought this up on the show before. I'm sure Dylan and I play a lot of fighting games together. And yes. so I, I know what you now as a man in your late twenties, like the, the tone of voice and the level of excitement you get when you discover a new piece <laughs> of tech in a fighting game. Yep. And the amount of joy that is being generated by me imagining you at, like, age 11, like, labbing uh, Sonic Adventure 2 Battles versus Mode on your GameCube. <laughs> Singing it's, along to City Escape. It's all I've... In my head it was live and learn, but yes. Either way. <laughs> God, it's all I need to make it through the world. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh my God, I wish I could hug you right now. Um, God, I just love the, just the, the fact that you use the word tech is what really got right. me. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, if, if there's something that you can do in a video game that isn't, like, a basic, uh, like, press A to jump, that I, I count that as tech. Oh, yeah, it, for it sure. It falls under the umbrella of tech. Um, for sure. Tech is awesome. So, uh, yeah, anyway, let's... Um, Let's go to the first example, because I, I thought I'd start with, like, the most basic one. Hell um, yeah. And guess what, everybody? I'm going to tweet this, and I'm going to put the links to the examples in the Twitter thread. Nice. That's I am a also Chris going Wilson to promise. I failed last time. <laughs> um, oops. <laughs> I'm also going to uh, read the titles out loud. So, you know, if for whatever reason you can't access the links on our Twitter, um, you at least get have an idea on what we're looking at and can possibly look it up. For whatever reason, yeah, why would that happen? <laughs> right. Um, so this is, ne uh, this is Neo Geo MVS, Metal Slug, uh, title screen in parentheses. God, so, I love the Neo Geo startup. It's very good. Um, and so, yeah, uh, what we're looking at is... Uh, Nice little, very well animated, like, chunky sprites of a tank kind of rolling along, and, uh, like, machinery is clicking into place, and it fires a missile, and then we get the title Metal Slug. That's cool, also, um, but that's not really... Metal Slug's whole aesthetic, like... It's very... And that, I was actually about to get into that. Yeah, it's super, um, like, 80s mecha, in that, like, it's all, it's all, you know, robotics and machinery and, and chunky right. gears, but there's, like, a level of, like like animated squash and stretch that mm -hmm. makes it feel a little more organic which sounds Absolutely. weird but it's like such a particular aesthetic of like this era of like 80s into mid 90s era of like mecha animation it's it's very good and um anyway uh to to kind of describe the uh the demo that we're looking at right now so metal slug is kind of I think it takes place in modern times or like in not too distant future, but the aesthetic that the first game was going for was kind of World <laughs> War II-esque. Is Wilhelm scream? I don't think it's a Wilhelm scream. I think they recorded screams for Metal Slug, but... It, it sounded... It probably wasn't, but it sounded a lot like a Wilhelm scream. Sorry, it's continue. It's very Wilhelm-esque. Uh, but anyway, so uh, the, the main character, Marco, is running through this uh, European... Uh, yeah, very European-style town, uh, shooting enemy soldiers which are uh dressed in green 
And I guess, like, I'm thinking about, like, this demo. Like, this is a very basic demo. There's nothing really, like, special or out of the ordinary about it. But I think what is interesting to look at with it is um, it, it really kind of sells you on, like, look at all these sprite animations. Uh, Metal Slug is kind of known for its animations. So you see um, enemies, like, kind of collapsing after they get shot in a way that is way more fluidly animated than anything you'd, you'd get in, like, Contra or Gunstar Heroes or something like oh, that. Yeah. There's, uh, you get a flamethrower uh, weapon and it you set the soldiers on fire. Metal Slug is a very... Like, it's a cartoonishly violent game, but it's a very violent game. Yeah. Um, and so, really just kind of showing off all these animations, uh, you get into the titular Metal Slug, which is a type of tank. And just the way, like, you can, it's a tank that you can jump and crouch in. And so, the way it kind of squashes and stretches is, like, just very attractive to look at. Oh, yeah. Um, Super appealing. And so, yeah, the first thing you notice is the setting. The second thing you notice is the animation. and if you're a more astute observer, you might be looking at this demo to kind of see how the game is played, like thinking about the the details before you even start playing. So you're thinking about like, oh, there are vehicles I can get into. There are different weapons you can pick up. Um, and the enemies, you can actually look and see that, you know, because it's just gameplay, you can see that they are throwing projectiles and Whoever uh, was controlling the main character for the demo controls the de- uh, the main character in such a way that you can kind of accurately see how the jump arc works. And, yeah, uh, you can see him change momentum in the air in midair. You can see and, you can see him crouch at one point to dodge a, uh, yeah. a projectile that's coming to him. So you you can learn that that is an um, element of the gameplay. Exactly, and you you can also see um bullets get like really close to him, and so it gives you a decent idea on like what this character's hitbox might be like before you start playing the game. Um, and so that's that's kind of what a demo's uh, purpose is at, at the most basic level. Like, this is the game's concept. Here are some nice, like, things about the game that, like, might attract you to it. And once you've kind of paid attention to that, like, you know, we'll, we'll even kind of show you an example of what you know, uh, competent gameplay looks at. Being, yeah, like, because, yeah. you know, arcade games are very difficult. Uh, they yeah. are notoriously uh, programmed to be super difficult so that you will die a lot and give them more money to keep going. Um, yeah, in a, in a way, these are, like... Arcade games don't have tutorials because, again, they want your quarters. Right. But in a way, the the demo kind of serves as a tutorial because that is that is one of the kind of common threads. Like, whether it's, you know, a side-scrolling pseudo bullet hell shooter like metal slug or if it's something a beat em up like double dragon or the teenage mutant ninja turtles arcade game the demos always show good competent gameplay right you're not going to watch a demo for a beat em up and see the player character get knocked down much if ever yeah the the best thing about demos is that they make it look easy yeah and if they make it look easy they kind of sell the idea to you that I can learn this game. There is a level of competency that I can reach where yeah. I will not like, you know, this is a game that is learnable. So yeah, demos are their own cool thing. And I'm trying to remember if uh, the NES era had any demos. I, I can't say that I think it did because like demos would be something that games, that console games would eventually 
pick up and uh, utilize. The, uh, the game I want to talk about uh, next is actually not a very arcade-style game. Uh, the okay. game I want to talk about next is Fire Emblem. Oh, uh, yo, yes! Yeah, right? Like, you get me. Okay. Um, so, uh, before I send this link to Chris, uh, in the earliest Fire Emblem game I've played is Fire Emblem 3. Uh, you get, like, a little opening cutscene that kind of is, is a prologue, like, 300 years ago, this thing happened, and um, now a new story is going to be told, and then, like, it, the Fire Emblem theme starts to play, da-da-da-da-da, and then, um, <laughs> that's the Fire Emblem theme. <laughs> and, uh, it, it kind of, it showcases all the different classes and gives you an average uh, idea on what, like, each class's stat is going to be for people who don't know um fire emblem is a strategy game where you uh move units uh each one is like a different class so you have um you have knights that ride pegasuses you have archers you have uh heavily armored units stuff like that and so it it kind of gives you a description of what each type of chess piece like glorified chess piece does and you know an idea on like what you can expect their utility to be and that's cool uh, but I think Fire Emblem 4 takes it an extra step further, and I'm going to post this, and this comes with the caveat that there is story dialogue in this demo. You will not be able to read it because this was a earlier fan translation that didn't uh, quite get everything. But the it. cool thing about, and Chris, this is a four and a half minute video, you are free to skip around. In fact, okay. I encourage you <laughs> to skip around. It does a very similar thing to uh, Metal Slug, where after the uh, kind of story prologue, title crawl, whatever, it starts playing the main theme, but instead of showcasing the units and their utility, which I believe it also does um, later, it's uh, showing you clips of gameplay. So you, you see units flying around the maps, you see uh, story cutscenes where characters are talking with each other, it, they're showing uh, characters battling each other with these really impressive sprite animations for the time, um, especially on the console game. And uh, yeah, it, it's really because Fire Emblem's an RPG and not an action game, it's really more to kind of sell the setting than it is to um, showcase how the game is meant to be played. But I think something that is interesting that this Fire Emblem game in particular does in addition to like just kind of showing what uh, you can expect from the game and like kind of flashing forward to cutscenes that might happen during the game, like a movie trailer or something, you also get exclusive scenes that don't show up anywhere in the game. Wait, really? Yeah, that are canon to the game. Um, That's so, really like, cool. Hang on. It, yeah, yeah. So uh, the the number one example that comes to mind is that there is a character whose name I won't say because I don't want to spoil it. But he dies midway through the game. But late, like he dies off screen, or he is heavily implied to have died off screen. But he comes back, but his personality is completely different. It's like he's done a 180. So the question is, what happened? And you see that the um in one of these demo screens, you see that the wind god Forseti resurrected him, but like either resurrected him or assumed his appearance. Um, and so he is going around as this character after uh, that character died. That's really cool. And that's the kind of thing that, like, before you play it, you're not going to pick up on that, you know, it doesn't look like a spoiler. <laughs> right. 
Um, and I will say that like some uh some scenes are actually added after you beat the game, and like oh, they add cool. like more scenes every time you beat the game, and I think that's to incentivize replaying the game, or something like that. Uh, it's it's really cool, and I that's I fascinating. I yeah I, it's wild to me that they would just kind of slip stuff like that in there, but it's also really cool. Yeah, I want to see if I cool... can uh look up secret events because if i can it's, it's a really cool utilization of this kind of you know like you said it, these things have fallen a little bit out of favor recently but like at the time what was just the way that games kind of did it's a cool way of of building some extra something into that right i don't know i really enjoy when games find ways to like sneak little extra bits of story in where you're not expecting them mm-hmm I just think that's really cool. I I'm a big fan of that. Now I want to go. I want to go play more old Fire Emblem games. You should. They're very good. I love them all. Um, At least all of them that I have played. I have not played a ton of them, but man. So uh, I found a whopper of a video. It is a nine and a half minute <laughs> video titled "All Opening." I'm happy for you. Or sorry that genealogy. happened. I ain't reading all that. Right. Like I mean, skip around. Obviously. Yeah. But uh, it's a video titled All Opening Scenes, Fire Emblem Genealogy of the Holy War, which I realize is a mouthful, um, so forgive me. Actually, here's a good one that's not quite the same uh, moment. Uh, in this video, 2 minutes and 34 seconds in, you have uh, two of your starting units, the knights Alec and Nosh. Um, they are sparring. And just like, again, that is a scene that could not feasibly happen the way that Fire Emblem 4 is designed. Mm -hmm. uh, characters can't spar. There is no designated sparring cutscene. Um, yeah. But they were able to slip that into the, the opening of the game itself. Right, because they have a little more freedom to build things out using their assets in a way that the game doesn't need to like run in real time. Right, because there's no... They don't have to figure out the logistics of it. They can just put that in. Um, actually, right after that scene, I was just going to say, I assume that this sparring. one of the of the lady beating up the knight is similar. Yeah. yeah, it's similar. Yeah, just really cool stuff like that. Oh my god, that's so cool! Holy hmm. oh, who? Oh, that's okay. This one's really cool. Um, in chapter one of the game, you uh you meet this character, uh, Deidre, uh, Deirdre. I always pronounced it Deirdre, but she is the main love interest of the main lord of the game, Sigurd. And you meet her right before you take on a castle where the, um, the boss is able to cast long-distance magic that will decimate your party. But she has the ability to silence mages, so the game and the story intend for you to use her to basically save the day. And here, there's a cutscene of her casting that spell on the main bad guy. And he actually now has a dialogue uh, box that reacts to that. That Oh, very cool. Again, could not happen in the story the way the game is designed. You've sealed my magic. Yeah, and just like I stuff assume like that. I what this man would sound like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just stuff like that is really cool. And it's, it's wild to me that... There's nine and a half minutes of this stuff. Yeah, that's very cool. I'm just like, especially in games this old, it's really cool to watch for the ways that designers kind of like found the tricky workarounds to build in little extra things that couldn't actually happen in the game. 
mm-hmm. or that would have been challenging to render in real time or like whatever the limitation was. I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan. This is a mm-hmm. very cool video. All right. Uh, so I, I'm going to move on to the next one then. Yeah, go for it. All right. Save me from <laughs> watching all nine minutes of this. Yeah, you can watch it on your own time. Oh, boy. Yeah, so uh, next we have Metroid Fusion, uh, the fourth game in the Metroid series. Um, Personally, I think the uh, demos in Super Metroid have a little bit more to talk about, but Metroid Fusion was my first Metroid game, so I I wanted to, you know, draw from personal experience. Uh, Just like how learning how to grind on rails upwards in Sonic Adventure 2 um, was something I learned from the demo. The demo for Metroid Fusion was how I learned uh, to wall jump and also learned how uh, you can freeze certain enemies with ice missiles and use that for platforming. It's how I learned you can use the bombs while in morph ball mode to to jump. If you've never played the Metroid game, I realize this means nothing. So let me back. But hey, guess uh, what? When you first sit down to play a Metroid game, it will also mean nothing because they like at least the early ones do not hold your hand to teach you things. You just kind of got to experiment unless you're playing Metroid Fusion and you see that, like, how certain things work. But yeah, I'm, I'm going through uh, the video right now and it's showing that I love Samus can wall jump. So, I'm sorry, this is an aside, but okay, uh, listening to that title theme, just like, God, Metroid sound design is so good. Yeah. Wait, oh my gosh, I feel like such an idiot. What? So uh, apparently... The Metroid Fusion uh, demo also teaches you how to Shine Spark, which is a ability where when Samus is running at a full sprint and her speed booster power-up activates, where she basically goes lightning fast, you can basically crouch to store that kinetic energy and then jump to redirect that kinetic energy in a different direction. And that's really cool. And it's not something I learned how to do until uh, I saw a Let's Player do it. Um, but it's 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 in the demo, uh, and yeah, I think I think that's nifty. Uh, they they teach you how to do even that. Now I want to go play Metroid games. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the best thing about uh, this, it, as it pertains to Metroid Fusion specifically, is it gives you something to look forward to, because the Metroid games are all about um, exploration and finding new abilities and power ups, and yeah, and. I feel like we might have talked about this in our thing about like video game openings, but like mm-hmm. a hallmark of the Metroid series and some of the Castlevania games as well is that they will start you out with a bunch of toys. Like yeah. you'll you'll start out in like Metroid Prime is a great example of this or Castlevania Symphony of the Night. You start out and you've got all of these like abilities and extra weapons and and tools and and all of these things that you can do. And then you hit a point in the story where all of that is taken away from you and you have to explore the world to find what you've lost and then also find the stuff that you couldn't even do then, like find new new tools on top of all of that. And so having like showing all of this stuff, showing the stuff with the ice beam or the ice missiles, showing the stuff with uh, the shine sparking. All of that is extra like. Don't you want to get there? Kind yeah, of layered wanna, on top of Don't you want to the... know how this works? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fucking great. Um, and I think the, the best part about these Metroid demos, like Fusion and Super Metroid, is that they also show you abilities that are innate to, like, you don't need any power-ups. Like, um, yeah. I didn't realize this the first view through, but um, they showcase that as Samus, you can 
charge her uh, charge beam. And if you do a uh, spinning jump into enemies, like they take damage from it. It's it's called like a fake uh, fake screw attack or something like that. Interesting. Yeah, and that was something I I learned that you could do back when I was God like nine ten um, from watching the demos. And, right. You know that's just really cool stuff. Um, Super Metroid uh, goes like the extra mile. I I definitely uh, talked about this in the last episode where we talked about video game openings, but um, there's this move called the Crystal Flash. Which is a super obscure move that Samus can do that fully heals her, but like at the expense of like all of her ammunition, oh. something like that. And it's got a really unique animation, and it's crazy. But like, God, let me look up how to perform the Crystal Flash because it's not something you'll just discover how to do. Right. It's like I think you have to be holding, you have to be crouching, you have to be holding L and R. The Crystal Flash is a technique used in Super Metroid to regain health outside energy charge stations or uh, the starship. Um, there is a... I guess it's referenced in Nintendo Power because of course it was. So, it is performed by following these steps. You have to make sure you have the power bomb selected. Um, so Samus has equipped her power bombs. Samus must, must have 50 or less energy, empty reserve tanks, which means... She only has 50 or less energy, basically. And at least 10 missiles, 10 super missiles, and 11 power bombs. One to initiate the crystal flash, and 10 more to consume alongside the missiles. Samus must enter more fall form and spend one power bomb. At the end of the power bomb's explosion, if the player is holding the aim up button and the aim down button, which means left and right, or L and R, rather. And while they're holding L and R, they hold down and the fire button. Samus will initiate the crystal flash. What the fuck? Right. <laughs> who did, Who found out about... Like, was this a thing that a player discovered, or was this a thing that, like, was told to people via, you know, Nintendo Power or something? Probably a little bit of both, let's yeah. be real here. <laughs> but, like, that is such, like, playground rumor nonsense. Right? <laughs> But, like, it's in the demo, so you know that kid's not faking. You know he's not (laughs) lying. You didn't figure out how to do the Crystal Flash. Like, oh, God, I gotta gotta post a video of the Crystal Flash now, so here you go, Chris, for you. And, like, it's such a unique animation that, you know, if you see it, like, in the demo, you'll be like, whoa, what the hell? What? What? Yeah, wow. For something hidden behind that much of an obtuse gameplay thing, it's incredible that they like built this entire extra sprite out for it. Right. That's wild. You know what I imagine that was? I imagine that was like a game tester's tool. Kind of like the Contra code. Oh, I bet you're right. Yeah, and they just left it in the game uh, because they thought it would be a fun little easter egg or hidden i would not be at all surprised if that was the case that's that makes a ton of sense Mm -hmm. so that that was all the i guess the big stuff and here here's the uh the reason why i brought this up this um this episode concept up chris uh imagine that you are a 10 year old at your local arcade rolling rink uh 
yeah, you know, one of yeah. those hybrid play places. Um, I'm sure every every uh, state in the Midwest has at least. I one. can think of a couple. Yeah, I I I am there yeah. in my mind palace. Mm-hmm. And you're walking around, and like there's ticket games, and there's there's stuff here and there, and then you see this shit. Time crisis. You see time three. crisis three, baby. Holy shit. <laughs> I want you to like this isn't technically a demo. This is an opening movie, but I th- I thought it was important enough to the development of the freak that I am today yeah. <laughs> that it should be included in this uh Yeah, well, hang on. Topic. This this being a formative moment for you makes your subsequent deep dive into all things Metal Gear uh yeah. I can see lot, I, I'm it? I'm beginning to to apply the red thread to my wall of intrigue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's getting it, guys. <laughs> um, so for people oh my who God, don't the know, voice acting uh, in this is so wild. It's so goofy. I th- I think I recognize some of those voice actors from like Canadian anime dubs. Like I'm pretty, I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure that like the character Wild Fang voiced the main character of Gundam Seed, a show that I watched when I was probably ten as well. You know. <laughs> Wow. Oh my god. I I forgot how wild Time Crisis is. Right. So, um I I kind of want to unpack this uh this trailer, but let's let's talk about the fact that it is like it's less a fun little opening cutscene or like a, a thing to kind of sell you on the aesthetic and it's a full-blown movie trailer. Yeah. 100%. Like in the goofiest late 90s like Mission Impossible James Bond fashion. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's like full like it's it's somewhere between like james bond and like call of duty Mar- modern warfare yeah yeah i could definitely see that and oh my gosh like yeah so uh i think for me you know a this 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 trailer is loud and there are explosions and there's some wild camera work going on um you know, there a, a helicopter flies in front of our uh, our two heroes in slow motion. Uh, for people who don't know, Time Crisis is a railgun shooter, kind of like uh, I hope the people listening to this show know what House of the Dead is. Um, yeah, another arcade. Ta- Time staple. Crisis was like full on like a light gun yeah. peripheral in, like in the you, arcades. You would right? have a gun. Yeah, you would have a gun, uh, a light gun that uh, would send a signal to the screen, and the screen would like I don't know quite how the technology works but it, it it like flashed the light at the screen and it would reflect back and if something it was something about like and the, the, the light gun could tell which area of the screen it was pointing at based on like the pixels that it saw reflected back yeah that's and what then I that think would then communicate to the system whether or not you were shooting at the right place or not that is a gross oversimplification and i probably got at least two things wrong in there but it's good enough <laughs> it's it's a better uh it, it is a better um description than what i was doing so thank you yeah um i played a lot of duck hunt as a kid yeah exactly duck hunts wow let me rephrase that duck hunt <laughs> is uh <laughs> turn on your your smash ultimate announcer duck hunt. <laughs> right <laughs> uh is super <laughs> <laughs> it's a super fun game that's all i wanted yeah. to say <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it's it's kind of you know it's like because you're it's like you're in the action man you're the star of this action uh movie and i think what really sold me on this game uh from the trailer was like this implied sense of scope and story like they introduce wild dog as an old rival and i'm like what they this is a game where like characters have like history with each other and personalities because like i i didn't play rpgs until after i played time crisis right um like story like super story heavy games were not really a thing on my radar at the time and time crisis is an arcade game but it's an arcade game that sold the illusion of a grander like story driven tale and of course that's bullshit like the characters are like paper thin um (laughs) but like it was able to like wrap that up and present it in a way where it's like I need to know what happens in this game. Um, and I think that was like the first time I like got like super, like I'd have to play this game for the story. Right, I have to know right. what happens. Um, I love that it was for fucking time crisis. Like I get it. Well, you know, from that like, trailer, absolutely. I get it. <laughs> it's just like in retrospect and like, you know, us in 2021 looking at how goofy this looks like it's really yeah, funny at, at the, at the age of 27, I can look at my, like, nine, ten-year-old self and be like, ah, you're such a cute kid. Yeah. Um, But no, I absolutely get the appeal. I, too... It's the same thing as, like, someone who, like, played Metal Gear Solid or Final Fantasy VII and was like, you know, what? Sephiroth? What? (laughs) Or even, even, like, fighting games, like, uh... You look at the opening cutscenes of Namco's other fighting games, I guess they were just really good at, like, selling that, like, the idea of story and continuity yeah. um, back in their arcade days. Cause you look at like the openings to Tekken or soul caliber and it makes it feel like a, a larger than life, like globe spanning Epic. That's, that's a bit of a tangent. So, but uh, yeah, so this, this is less of a gameplay thing and more of just like kind of drawing you in, in a way that like, I think expresses more than just a, I'm going to pop in a quarter cause this game looks fun. No, I'm gonna pop in a quarter because the world is going to end if I don't. If I don't, if I don't pick up this gun and go out on one more mission, <laughs> I I have to understand who is Wild Dog. Why are they an old rival? Um, <laughs> and the thing is, like, Wild Dog is a mini boss who who's shown up in the the previous two Time Crisis games. I think in the the first game he was the final boss. Um, so he's he's just a recurring character. There's different main characters every game. So like the main characters of Time Crisis Three have no real connection right. to Wild Dog, but the game advertised it like they did, and I was like, I have to know <laughs> what's the history here. Um. Uh, so yeah, I I just thought that was like a fun little uh, you know, period on that reminiscence. No, I I adore that. That's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I. There are, there are, like, demos like this that have come to my mind, but none of them, like, none of them would bring anything that we haven't already discussed to the table. So I feel like this is a good, a good button to end our, uh, our episode on. All right, excellent. So, yeah, let us, actually, let's do one of those calls to action that what the, the uh, various algorithms like so much. If you, <laughs> if you like a demo, no, like, genuinely, though, if, if there is a... A game demo like this, a game uh, showcase, I, I think showcase mode or attract mode is what they were called on Attract-mode. arcade there we go. machines. Uh, but if there's a, a 
a demo or an attract mode uh, video like this that was impactful for you, please let us know about it on Twitter. Like we, you know, I, I love hearing about shit like this. Like I mm-hmm. genuinely had no idea about that shit with the, uh, the fire emblem, the fire emblem Four mm-hmm. uh, demo. And I thought that was fascinating. So please, if there are any of these that like stand out in your mind, whether it's just from like, you know, kind of a, a similar flashbulb moment as a kid in an arcade, or if there's something that's like the game does something cool with them, please let us know about that on Twitter. Dylan will let you know how to do that in a moment. Uh, but before that, thank you for listening to Backstage Gaming. Thank you for putting up with uh, a bit of radio silence from us as we've just been dealing with stuff in the world. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, pinky swear. Uh, and until then, please remember that if you like our show, you should leave a rating, a review, wherever you're getting it. The iTunes store, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, all the uh, all the podcatchers of choice. And if you want to know more about us, our website is bsgpod.com. You can find info about us and the show there, and you should check it out if you uh, need any of that. There's also a contact form if you want to reach out to us directly. Hey, Dylan, how about social media? Uh, yeah, uh, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter, where our handle is at bsg underscore cast. You know, if you want to talk about those video game demos, uh, we would like for you to use that hashtag bsgpod to, um, you know, just kind of... Add a little buzz. Bump our heuristics. Yes, Mm, we love it. Uh, Also, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) don't know what came over me. I I loved that. Thank you. I I love you, Mm. but I don't love you more than your wife. That's fair. That's probably good. (laughs) I'll be sure to let Alex know. (laughs) Um, scene. Huge, huge, yeah, you know, this is a this is a podcast about acting. Uh, huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for the key art he has provided our show. Um, if you dig his stuff, and I do, I think you should check him out on his Squarespace at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is b-r-e-n-n-e-n-french.squarespace.com. You can also find him on his Instagram at instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts. And on Twitter, where his handle is at Brennan underscore French. You should also go check out our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio, Volume 1, Instrumentality. Uh, he's a great electronica composer and producer. And if you like our song or our theme song, you should definitely go check out his other tracks. You can find them by going to soundcloud.com slash BioQuery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or by searching for BioQuery on Spotify. Thanks, as always, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. They're a great network full of podcasts about video games. And if you like our weird ramblings, you'll probably like some of theirs. They've got shows from a fandom side, from a development side, from a news and current events side, uh, all focused on games. So go check out some of them on Twitter at HPVG Pod Network. And thank you to you! If you're a patron, and if you're if you're not, maybe consider becoming a patron. Uh, genuinely, though, we do not lose any money making this show when it comes to things like our web hosting fees or anything like that, and that is uh, an enormous privilege. So thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Our Patreon is, is patreon.com slash bsgpod. Uh, and if you like the show and want to show it some support, that is the most direct way to do that, along with you know sharing it and rating and reviewing and all that good stuff. Uh, so with all that said... We're back, a dinosaur story, and we'll be back again in two weeks. Goodbye, everybody. That was a... Wow, why was that my closing reference? (laughs) Goodbye!
This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. They both come in giftable boxes with savings up to $46 and free shipping for a limited time. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.